Shalom and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Gad Dishi from Alon Shvut. We are continuing in our study of Parashat Vayetzeh. We are in Perek Chavtet, Pasuk Yud Aleph. We're going to be dealing with the conjugal switch today. Uh, what happens at the evening when Yaakov gets switched Rachel for Leah. Psukim Yud till Yud Tet will deal with Yaakov's first month in Haran and Psukim Chavte Chavtet will deal with the actual switch and the making of Yaakov's emotional makeup that will forge his family dynamics. Uh, just to remind us where we are in the Michael Fishbane cycle, uh, today's portion we're going to see about uh, Yaakov's arrival in Haran. He encounters Lavan, and there's going to be a deception in regards to his wages, and this will parallel Perik Lamed Aleph later, where we have Yaakov's departure, as uh, parallel to his arrival, he, another encountering of Lavan, and we learn of another purported deception about wages. So moving straight to Pasuk Yud Aleph, Vayishak Yaakov Rachel, Vayisa et Kolo, Vayepk. And Yaakov kissed Rachel, and he raised his voice and cried. And the kissing going on here, the Mefarshim are split in regards to whether we're dealing with a cordial kissing cousin, as the Ralbag sets out, or a romantic kiss, uh, as the Barbanel may be hinting at. Uh, this calling out of raising of a voice and crying parallels Esav's raising of his voice and crying, thus already beginning perhaps a textual uh, payback reminder of a midah keneged midah for Yaakov taking the blessing. Here, perhaps the message is that despite the blessings, he now arrives penniless, unable to wed Rachel for lack of a dowry, which brings him to the point of crying. Uh, for those who are looking for the love at first sight, obviously the draw of a explanation saying that the kiss was a romantic one uh, fits better. However, we should point out that the kiss of Rachel happens only after Yaakov uh, successfully waters the entire flock of Levan's sheep. Nachum Sarna points out an alternate vocalization for the word Vayishak, uh, using the idea of Yesh Em Lemasoret, uh, is that instead of the word Vayishak, meaning and he kissed, it could be read, if we change the Nekudot, as Vayashk, and he gave her water, not kissing her, and this, therefore, would parallel the events with Rivka and Eved Avraham, perhaps even at the same well, where someone gives water to a person and to animals, possibly uh, to give us that exact parallel. Alter points out that a similar interplay of this word of watering and kissing is also utilized in Shir Hashirim. Mishakeni mineshikot pihu. He watered me from the kisses of his mouth. And so, if we have this uh, parallel, the word Vayishak may actually be trying to hint at a watering, uh, thereby playing on Rachel's name as meaning sheep as well. And Yaakov told Rachel that he is her father's brother, meaning kinsman, relation, and he is the son of Rivka, and she ran and she told to her father. So we have an interesting use of the word Ach here. Um, we know that he's really not Lavan's brother, uh, but uh, it probably again means just a general term of the relative, but Yaakov is seeking brothers. He already turned to the other shepherds earlier, saying, he's now left his only brother behind, and he's looking to perhaps replace other people in that type of a role. But we have also a parallel of Rivka running, uh, as we see here when Rachel is running. It's uh, part of the trappings of the Hachnasat Orchim, it's part of the uh, words that we associate with Hachnasat Orchim, and we're not really sure just yet what it is that she told her father uh, at the uh, meeting. 
ויהי חשמו הלבן את שמא יעקב בן אחותו, ויהיה לו סקרתו, ויחבק לו, וינשק לו, ויביאהו אל ביתו, ויספר ללבן את כל הדברים האלה. And it was when Lavan heard of the news of Yaakov, his sister's brother, and he rose and ran towards him, and hugged him, and kissed him, and brought him to his home. And he told to Lavan all of these things. So again, if someone is looking for the idea of what kind of a kiss it was, here we have Yaakov kissing, uh, Lavan kissing Yaakov. Uh, we also have later episodes, as we pointed out in other uh, times, that Yaakov and Esav, when they have their reunion years and years later, uh, they're also kissing each other. Uh, many other opportunities where we see men meeting each other and giving each other cordial kisses, uh, it seems to be part of the uh, norms of the time. Uh, so again, here we don't know what it is exactly that Yaakov tells him, uh, whether he's telling him that he ran away from Esav or just what happened at the well. And from later textual references, the absence of the idea of Yaakov running away from Esav when Lavan is trying to argue with Yaakov uh, seems to imply that Yaakov didn't share that piece of information together with Lavan. And Lavan said to him, uh, You are my flesh and blood. And so he stayed with him for a month. Now during this whole time of being a month there, he's apparently working for Lavan. We didn't know that, but from the next Pasuk, we find out, Lavan approaches Yaakov and says, Shall it be that because you are my relative, you should serve me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. And so it's interesting that we're seeing here that Lavan, while uh, some of us may have already learned and heard all nasty things about Lavan. Lavan is offering Yaakov money for the work that he's been doing for free for an entire month. The reference to brother, Hachi Ahi Ata, that Lavan now makes use of, may be echoing how Yaakov referred to Lavan uh, earlier at the well. And the word of Hachi, Hachi Kara Shemo Yaakov, if we recall, was how Esav called out when he heard about Yaakov taking the blessings. And this word, Hachi, Ahi Ata, uh, is the only two times in all of Chumash where the word hachi is used. And again, the text is keeping us honed in on the Midah, Kenegid Midah. Uh, this entire episode is going to be one large payback uh, of many uh, for what Yaakov did in taking the brachot. And to Lavan there were two daughters, the bigger daughter was Leah, and the smaller daughter was Rachel. And the eyes of Leah were soft, and Rachel had a shapely figure and beautiful looks. And Yaakov loved Rachel, and he said, I will work for you for seven years on behalf of Rachel, your smaller daughter. So the use of the text here of bigger and smaller parallels what we saw earlier in regards to the text referring to Yaakov and Esav in Perak Zayin, and the parallel between sisters matching the brothers will come in handy later on, so hold on to that piece of information. And again, the placement of the description here uh, of their looks is made in contrast to the description we get of Rivka, where it's the first thing that's being noted by the text. At that point it said, uh, it's one of the first things that the text bothers to tell us. Here, even though we're, some of us may be looking for the love at first sight at the well, but 
the looks part of what goes on here isn't mentioned until after an entire month of Yaakov's stay in Laban's home. seems to be pushing away from that model. Uh, and only now do we see that Yaakov loves Rachel. If the text wanted to tell us about his love right away, we have had a textual recording of it earlier. Uh, that being said, there's still this feeling of a destiny that's going to be met between them uh, just at the meeting of the well, regardless of whether or not it was uh, love at first sight. The text has delayed this uh, relaying of information for a long time, and the, uh, there's always going to be some impediment, uh, whether it's a sheep or there's going to be the conjugal switch, that's going to delay or be an impediment between Yaakov joining Rachel. And so this whole textual separation between Yaakov's first meeting and Yaakov's uh, textual recording of, of loving Rachel uh, functions as a foreshadowing of their relationship in the future. Uh, it's important to point out that the entire work agreement is Yaakov's idea, not Lavan's, and it is equally important to know how it is Yaakov that's objectifying this relationship with his future wife and making it a matter of barter, thus illustrating the influence that Haran has of translating everything and everyone, even marriage, into a give-and-take exchange of goods. Indeed, the key words of give and take are ever-present throughout this parasha. Pasuk Yud Tet Tov Shiva Imadi And Lavan said, It's better for me to give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. And the words, stay with me, is shva imadi. The word shva, as Dr. Shmiman identifies, is in the cohortative grammatical form. And so it's shva, not shev. And we can parallel this usage with the uh, usage of it in Perak Chavzain, where uh, Yaakov says, kumna shva mitzed beni. Uh, always keeping the reader one hand, so to speak, holding on to Perak Chavzain, constantly referring back to language that's used there. And again, this is going to be part of the midah connected midah of what's going to happen to Yaakov for taking the brachot. Pasukhaf, Vayavod Yaakov Berachel Sheva Shanim, Vayiyu Be'enav Kiyamim Achadim Be'ahavato Ota. And Yaakov worked, literally slaved away for Rachel seven years, and it was in his eyes as just a number of days in his love for her. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Love makes everything go very quickly. Meaning singular days. As opposed to asarot. There's only singular, single digit days. They had this term also used earlier. is something that we can recall again from Perach Zayin. That uh, this is the type of time period that Rivka had said is how long Yaakov should stay at Lavan. Until Esav's anger would diffuse. You would stay there for yamim achadim is what she said. So clearly... Yaakov is already beyond that amount of days. He's already working now an entire seven years. But the Torah is using the Yamim Achadim reference to give us back that reference to Cheper Chav Zayin. Pasuk Chaf Aleph. Vayomer Yaakov el Lavan, Hava et ishti ki maleu yamai, ve'avoa eleha. And Yaakov said to Lavan, Give me my wife, for my days have been fulfilled, and I will come unto her. There's some sexual impetuousness here. Rashi and the Midrash attempt to tone it down by stressing Yaakov's desire to fulfill his divine destiny of bringing children into the world. But uh, pay attention to the wording. Give me my wife, Hava etishti, which is treating her somewhat like an object. It's something to be given. And it's ishti, my wife. It's not Rachel. There's no personal uh, relationship. There's a certain distancing and objectification that has happened over these past seven years. Ishti is also a possessive form, my wife, meaning there's so much possession going on. It's all about 
owning and having in Haran. Haran is the place about materialism and money and having it and having more of everything, gamze, begamze, this and that, as we see as we move through the narrative. Lavan gathered all the people of the place and made a party. And on Shehamakom, seemingly the men and not the women are in party, uh, invited. The Mishte is a drinking party. Uh, it recalls the wine that Yaakov used to dull his father's senses. Now he's being given wine that's giving him to dull his senses. And it was in the evening. And he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him, and he came unto her. So again, in the evening, implying darkness, and this parallels Yitzchak's perpetual darkness as a blind man. Now Yaakov's eyesight is neutralized by using the nighttime. Uh, the actual switch that takes place here is incredulous, just almost as incredulous as Yaakov masquerading as a sav and getting away with it. And we'll read a little bit more of the psukim, and towards the end of the shiur, we'll hopefully dis- briefly discuss how all this may have happened. Uh, and Lavan gave her Zilpa, his maidservant, to Leah, his daughter, as a maidservant. And it was in the morning, and behold, she is Leah. And he told to Lavan, What is it that you've done to me? Haven't I worked uh, for you on behalf of Rachel? And why did you cheat me? So the switch is not discovered immediately, just as Esav did not discover it was Yaakov immediately, and as Yitzchak trembled, wondering who was that masked man. Here there's also a break to record that the giving of Levan's personal maid to Leah just took place. And again, this is while Leah is posed as Rachel. The text makes a point to tell us that there was a maid servant that goes with her. And this is breaking up the action from Yaakov finding out what happened. In the morning, not only is it physical daylight, but it's also a mental enlightenment. There's the discernment here. And Rimmitani, why did you cheat me? Again, making use of wording that we had in Perakhavzayin, Ba'achicha ben Mirma. Mirma relates to Rimmitani, to the, the, the cheating. Pasuk Chavav, Vayom Elavan, Lo ye'asechen bimkomenu latet ha-tzeira lefnei ha-bechira. And Lavan said, we don't do such things here, in our place, to give the younger before the elder. Finish up these seven days, this week of uh, the wedding celebration, and then I will give to you also uh, this one, for the work that you shall work for me another seven additional years. So the Midrash picks up on the wording and particular content of of Lavan's choice of excuse uh, for his uh, misdeed, and links it to Yaakov's usurping of the blessings. Uh, Lavan telling Yaakov, we here don't switch between the elder and the younger, as opposed to you, Yaakov. And hence the other great textual reference to Perichav Zayin of Amidah, Kenegi Midah, for what Yaakov did. You can barely move a pasuk if you're finding that we can't move without getting more Perichav Zayin references. It's constantly coming up. Pasuk Kafchet, Vayas Yaakov ken, Vaymaleh Shevuazot, Vayiten lo et Rachel bito lo leisha. And Yaakov did so, and he fulfilled working for the next seven days, and the celebration of the wedding for the seven days, and he gave to Rachel, and he gave him, Rachel, his daughter, to him as a wife. So Yaakov had said, Male'u yamai, and Lavan responds back, Male'e shivuazot. I mean, you think you fulfilled all the days you need to work, Yaakov, but you need to do more. 
and then he will get Rachel for working seven more years. So in reality, Yaakov is going is working fourteen years just in order to get Rachel, and he gets Rachel and Leah as wives in year seven with a seven-day difference between them. Pasuk Chavtet, Vayiten Lavan Rachel Bito Et Bilha Shifchato La Leshifcha, and he gave Lavan gave to Rachel his daughter Bilha his maidservant, to her as a maidservant. And again, this parallels exactly the type of the pasuk that we had in Pasuk Havdalah, but what he did with Zilpah. So again, we have this parallel idea of what goes on with Leah, goes on with Rachel. What goes on with Rachel, goes on with Leah, treating everybody the same. Pasuk Lamed, Vayavo gam el Rachel, Vayehav gam et Rachel mil Leah, Vayavod imo od sheva shanim aherot. The text quickly has seven more years of Yaakov's life passed by in a few words, but these don't pass, for Yaakov. They are the result of the deception, and every day causes Yaakov to grit his teeth, and he's forced to share his life with an unwanted woman of Leah, and it takes away from his time and his ability to be with his true love, Rachel. We're beginning to get a picture of what it is that Lavan is trying to accomplish by having these parallels between Lavan between Rachel and Leah, and we will explore those more fully later on. Uh, if we go back now to why is it that Yaakov did not notice the switch between Rachel and Leah, uh, perhaps the answer we all grew up hearing is that of the simanim, the signs. The Gemara tells us in Masechet Megillah, Daf Yud Gimel Amud Bet, and Bababatra Kuchav Gimel Amud Aleph, the Gemara tells us that when Yaakov met Rachel at the well, he said to her, marry me, clearly on the love at first sight, the school of thought. She said, yes. Hooray. However, father is a trickster and you will not defeat him. He said to her, I am his brother in deceitfulness. That was the pasuk, that he's his brother. She said to him, and is it permissible for the righteous to engage in deceit? He said to her, yes. With the pure you deal purely and with the perverse deal with twists. He said to her, And what is the deceit? She said to him, I have an older sister, and he will not marry me off before her. He gave her signs. When the night arrived, she, Rachel, thought, Now my sister will be embarrassed. She transferred them to her. And this explains what it is written. And it was in the morning, and behold, she is Leah. To me, that until then, she was not Leah. Clearly, she was Leah throughout the night. Rather, due to the signs that Rachel transferred to Leah, he did not know it was her until now in the morning. So Yaakov gave Rachel signs to identify her on the wedding night so that the switch would fail. But when the time came, Rachel pitied her sister and gave over the signs not to embarrass her. And so Leah had all the correct signs to have Yaakov believe she was Rachel. However, this explanation meets with a number of difficulties. Firstly, nothing of this exchange is mentioned in the text. Secondly, the way the Gemara relays the story implies that Rachel and Yaakov knew of this exact plot on the very first day they met at the well, a month before Yaakov even strikes the work agreement, which was Lavan's initiative, uh, and where Yaakov proposes to marry Rachel for, after working for seven years, and this is occurring more than seven years before this actually happens, Yaakov had no way of knowing even if he would strike this agreement that Lavan would agree. Uh, and, they, and, and they are also implying that Lav, they knew that Lavan would try this preposterous switch. And despite knowing this particular plot, Yaakov gave over simanim that were transferable? That's difficult to imagine. 
Furthermore, in the morning, when Yaakov sees Leah, he's genuinely surprised and asks how Lavan could have done such a thing to him. It doesn't seem that this was as anticipated an act as the Midrash suggests, even on a homiletical, ethical level. Are we meant to learn that just as Rachel avoided embarrassing Leah by embarrassing and harming Yaakov instead, that one should avoid embarrassing one person, even if it means embarrassing or harming another? This does not resonate with me as being a proper lesson. I think that the text provides us with some clues that, other than Simanim as to how this may have happened, uh, some of which we already pointed out. One, it was dark and he could not see. Uh, there are no candles in the tent. Secondly, he was inebriated from the Mishteh. He had his senses dulled by the wine. Thirdly, only the men of the town were at the party, so Yaakov never saw Rachel or Leah that night. He couldn't have a frame of reference of what they were wearing or how they looked. Fourthly, the verbs in the verse indicate that there was a very little amount of time that passed from the time she entered the tent to the end of relations. If we go back, it's Pasuk Chaf Gimel. He brought her into the tent, and he came out to her. So until the end of relations was a minimal amount of time, so the ruse needed to be successful only for that short amount of time. And after relations, uh, the Orachayim posits that Yaakov fell asleep. Uh, other Mefashim, the Nitziv, Rabbi David Hoffman, explained that in those days, brides wore extravagant headdresses that covered their faces. And those coverings stayed on throughout the evening, even during the time that, of relations. So he wouldn't have been able to make out who it was that he was with. Another Midrash in Echa Rabbah relates a different version of the giving of the Simanim, which also adds to the non-clarity about whether or not this happened and who gave which person the clues and the signs. And it adds there, interestingly enough, that Rachel was under the conjugal bed throwing her voice to help answer all of Yaakov's questions so that when Leah was supposed to respond, it was really Rachel, and therefore there was no discrepancy in voice and the text in this Midrash is obviously trying to parallel the split between voice and feel that we had by Yitzchak trying to figure out who was before him, Yaakov and Esav, and explaining how the plot could succeed. Uh, finally, I found the Midrash that states that Rachel and Leah themselves were identical twins. And this received some textual support from the textual paralleling I told you to hold on earlier, uh, just as Yaakov and Esav were identical and they were referred to as bigger and smaller, so too Rachel and Leah are referred to as bigger and smaller, while they too are maybe identical twins, uh, just as the boys had an epigenetic marker with their hair being different, even though they were identical, the girls likewise in regards to their eyes. Indeed, there are so many other features of Rachel and Leah that are the same, and the way Lavan treats them is the same, so too it lends itself to allowing for their physical composition to also be the same. Uh, in tomorrow's lecture, we'll explore the birth of the children of Yaakov and examine in more detail who may have been behind the conjugal switch and exactly who knew what. Hang on till tomorrow.